ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Society 13 Podcast Network Redefining Podcasts Society-13.com I like to listen You want to see something really scary? You bet Music Horror Art Politics And overall badass Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio For real Society 13 Networks. I'm not driving. I'm at the wheel right now, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. And uh, we're just kind of winging it once again with uh, one of my favorite guests and uh, always has stories to tell. Mr. Carrie Hill is back. Thank you very much. I like to say Director Carrie Hill, but he's always got something new up his sleeve. We've been talking. It's been a while. There's been a lot of gaps in shows, folks. I apologize. Summer's been crazy busy. You know I have a new book out, Fiends of the Flesh, with eight other authors. We were just discussing it. And it's a busy time, and it's a good time. But uh, And, of course, I went on vacation for a good week and a half, which was very nice. Where did you go? Um, the Outer Banks. Oh. I love going there, and the water was beautiful. We were out in the waves. I went way too far out. Love it, and I, I just—I don't know—it's it, just a beautiful place. Little flashback and, to Jaws. Yes, exactly. Look at that for that little kitten or kid running around. You see him go in the water. Get out, folks. <laughs> Get out. But yeah, so uh, Carrie has a major announcement at some point during the show. Here, we're going to get to that. Um, it really is up to him when he wants to. I, I know he's already announced it outside of the show, but you guys didn't hear it yet, unless you're paying attention to his page, which is. Just Carrie Hill now? These yeah, days? Oh, it's just me for now. Um, the movie page has officially launched. So the movie's called Night Sky. Uh, this is the name of the new film. So it has its own Facebook page. The rest of the social media is kind of lacking. I didn't want to dive in too fast and yeah. just set up all the social media accounts and everything. I got, like, it takes time to run these things. But I needed something to sort of centralize what's going on. Announcements. Uh, roll, uh, 
press casting calls, press, press kits, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And there's also going to be a lot of research-related materials, which is going to be interesting, which is something I haven't done before for any sort of movie projects. Is that right? So there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be research videos and real-life stuff included, um, interviews with with. Uh, prominent scientists and such so that's all going to be posted on there regularly as I have time and everything but I kind of did the announcement I wanted to kind of put it out there I, I was afraid people forgot about me does he still make movies I, I get asked all the time well, what's it, next what's next what's next my folks would remember of course we talked you know Screen Park a lot and uh, you know you uh, well of course you, that was your little flashback to the 80s which was really cool the 80s slasher uh, with an even cooler soundtrack at points. And then I just like, I love the soundtrack because I'm addicted to soundtracks. And you decided to find this, this realm in time where the <laughs> slasher was key and the music was probably more important at the time. But you pulled it out. I mean, somehow you made that mixture, made that movie work really good. And I, I keep telling people they got to see Scream Park <laughs> and enjoy an old slasher that's new. I like that. I should. Yeah. Uh, can we put that on the box? Can we re-release this and you put could. this on yeah, the well, box on the back? And your poster's right there. I mean, we could like <laughs> just etch it in there. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's, it's fantastic. It's a great movie. But as for so- soundtrack, I think was it kind of minimal as far as songs that were on it. So we had the, the razor blade. Well, there was there was the actual score, which was done um, well actually by three people. So there was the opening. Theme, right. which was done by Christian Kriegescott, who's uh, based out of New York, and he put together an orchestra and everything. There's actually footage you can track down of, of us recording the orchestra nice. at Carnegie Mellon University. He was really booked out um, and unfortunately didn't have enough time to score the whole film. So um, mm. Scott Lewis, who was also the editor, did a lot of the tones and the background noise and just kind of the, the ambiance. Right. Um, he and Liz Richel both kind of put together some good mixes for that. As far as uh, diegetic music, right. it's actually in the movie itself. Razorblade dolls were huge. Yeah, um, with that, they were very awesome to to lend us I some music. Stay in touch with David Scott Carpenter. I think they have a new band now because they have since the reu- they have a reunion going. Oh, that's good on their Facebook okay. page. They said the Razor dolls are uh, Razorblade dolls are back. That's good to hear. Like and they stuff. they have some gigs already. I I okay. was so close to seeing them in Dallas. I was down there for um, Texas Frightmare one year for Scream Park and they were playing like 15 minutes away and I couldn't pull away um, from the booth and we were screening the movie and everything like that and I was dying to get out. I just wanted to see them once live but I have to get back down there. Well, I don't think they're going to quit then because if they're back together that means they're meant to be together. (laughs) As far as you know, I I know like this new thing you're doing right now, did you completely detract from what you did with the slasher and go completely... I know you've told me some things you wanted to do and I'm hoping one of them is... What this is about? It's not a horror film. No, I didn't think it's that. It's not a horror film. But yeah, you, uh, you, I don't want to say Mothman, but you were always intrigued with the uh, the cryptids. Well, cryptids. Uh, this one's particularly about UFOs. Okay. Um, this has been a long brewing idea, and actually, I've, I've grafted on several other ideas. I end up with way too many ideas. There's, there's too many half scripts, pieces of scripts. <laughs> stacks of outlines of ideas sometimes it's it's like a half a page of just blathering about something this one actually got a coherent idea something that had been sitting for a while and got to piece some of the other stuff that i had been floating around and actually came up with a a coherent story and everything but being able to to work in the i don't know if i want to call it paranormal Mm -hmm. but that kind of realm with ufos and the unknown and all that kind of stuff um perfect so it's it's going to be weird but it's (laughs) 
It's going to be a lot more fun. I almost consider it like a Spielberg-type film. I'm not going for... Like I said, it's not a horror movie. It's it's real sci-fi. Yeah, where he always... Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of the small town being taken over by the monster or whatever. But involving multiple characters and seeing their outlook on things. It's sort of like, like what Stranger Things is that's doing That's kind of... You, you just know. nailed it. I mean, okay. that's the exact sort of theme and, for it, this. It doesn't mean they're all going to die. They're, but if in a movie like that, when somebody does die, it's really a dramatic thing. Because you, you don't expect it. You know, you know, because it's like a hometown feel and everything's safe. It's a PG Spielberg film, you know. Everybody's going to make it, you know. But I have a feeling you're going to put a twist on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Goonies meets Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Perfect. Um, I'm kind of thrown. Yeah, but I, it's, I, I love the small town thing. I grew up in a small town. Mm. I'm not, you know, you look at someone like Martin Scorsese and it's that New York is, is home and there's always the city streets and it's a... I go the opposite way. I like the small town, dirt roads sometimes, you know, it's sparse, everybody knows each other, it's like Mayberry, but then you insert something like the monster or the aliens yeah. or the, you know... The, the trump card. Oh, right. <laughs> quite literally these days. <laughs> um, but I, I love that that sort of setting, and it, you know, it naturally is almost Spielbergian in a way to do that, but um, I think Western Pennsylvania is the perfect place to shoot that it kind of really stuff. There's is. enough little towns... I'm from Newcastle. I wouldn't mind getting back up there um, to use some. So I'm diving in full force in October. Pre-production starts. So we're scouting, storyboards, effects test. There's going to be a lot of effects testing and footage um, wow. to prep because there's a lot of things that need to be done ahead of time to get to see how things look and everything. I'm excited. This is cool. I'm th- we were just talking about Kecksburg off the air, too. And if you're not familiar with, Ke- with Kecksburg... Kexburg. <laughs> I get that reference. I read the story. Yeah, look at look it up, folks. It's an interesting story, and it had happened uh, a couple of miles from here. <laughs> uh, it's pretty darn close. Yeah, uh, Unsolved yeah. Mysteries did a great segment on it. If you can track that down, um, tiny, tiny little town that had quite an incident. Yeah, in the mid '60s, and quite a cover up too. And it was witnessed by a lot of folks. You know, there was no reason for them to cover up, literally cover up something and wheel it away. In, I mean, sure, it could be military. Sure, you know, it was something they weren't supposed to see, but they could have said it was military off the bat. They didn't do that right away. <laughs> that was no, the they can. I mean, they continued to sort of, uh, what's the word? Obfuscate. Mm. <laughs> mm. uh, they didn't want to really say it was anything. Right. In fact, I think Stan Gordon, who's a, a UFO researcher here sure. in Western Pennsylvania, I know that name. who's sort of the expert on that uh, event, um, I think that he dug through the military records and they said it was like a meteorite or something. Yeah. But they had this giant flatbed truck pull something out of the woods under the cover of darkness. And police tape. And, and it was, yeah, they pushed all the townspeople back. Everything was secretive. Everyone was kind of shooed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, yeah, it was. They got kind of rough with them too. Some people broke through, and they like were shoving them and dragging them through the woods. And if if any of that story is true, if it, from, right, yeah. but yeah, there were witnesses that saw things. They say so they claim. And I know, saw they're making a movie. Somebody's making a movie about Kecksburg. That's good. They should. But are they going to put a good twist on it? Or are they going to yeah, go I don't for know. the? I just I saw it on Facebook. You know, you following some filmmaker community one or another. I just saw that they had. Uh, they had, I don't know if they got Kecksburg itself to be involved with it or not, but they were going to make a film about it. So, Night Sky, was it inspired by things like this? Or more fiction? Um, both. Um, it's inspired by a lot of things, honestly. Uh, I wouldn't even really know to, where to begin. Um, it, I had an idea a long time ago. 
if you, I don't know if you're familiar with John Keel. Of course. Mothman Prophecies. That, that book I have still the whole transcript downstairs. I have the real the script from the people. Oh, and it's, the witnesses. Yeah, the book is amazing. The book is amazing. And then there's the book of transcripts with the witnesses. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that didn't make it into his published book. They were in his records. Yes. And the stuff's just weird. Yeah. It's so weird. And I, I don't know if you've ever been, but I actually went down to Point Pleasant. No. A couple years ago. Tiniest town on earth. I think it's yes. four total streets, and they cross each other. Mm-hmm. But we went into the TNT area where the Mothman was first yep. sighted and everything, and I got the weirdest vibe being back there. And if you're not familiar with the story or um, Mothman prophecies, the TNT area was this giant field full of bunkers mm-hmm. where they would store dynamite during World War II. They'd, they'd make and store explosives. In the late 60s, when this... Basically, this town was tormented for a year by just bizarre phenomenon. Yeah. You had this creature flying around. They called the Mothman. You had cattle mutilations, UFOs, weird electronic phenomenon. People and with uh, radiation burns that witnessed the Mothman. Too. Uh, yeah, their, their eyes were burned and puffy yeah. and everything like that. And this went on for a year, and the, the town has all the records and everything, and, and Keel really didn't have an answer for it. Um, but I got a really weird vibe. In that area, there's just something really odd about it. it mm. It's hard to say. And there's a monument. Um, yeah. At the end of the year, on Christmas Eve, the Silver Bridge collapsed. That was the, the whole thing just sort of culminated. It, everything kept getting weirder and weirder. And then finally, this bridge, which was full of traffic on Christmas Eve, just collapsed into the Ohio River. And there's actually a plaque commemorating mm-hmm. the night that it collapsed. The whole thing's just really bizarre. And but it's, it's etched in history as far as the Indian... The, the yeah, you had Chief Cornstalk. They, 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 he cursed the land. Yep. Uh, just you can go back to that. I mean, there's so many uh, variables there, though. I mean, I don't know what direction you take it if you were to remake that film. Hopefully, nobody does. But um, did I, that inspire you for this one? Well, I think that because we talked about. I mean, Mothman. I yeah, we talked about Mothman and you know reading a lot of Keel's books. Um, he, Operation Trojan Horse. He's, he's got several books out there, and he was great at cataloging the weird. Um, and so those kind of things just in my brain automatically become great cinematic moments mm-hmm. with these type of things, imagining them what they'd be like on camera. But I could never come up with a story around it because um, it never seemed to work. So that part of that has been grafted onto Night Sky where you have that weird phenomenon, lights in the sky, things like that, um, UFO chasing, military response. Etc. What time period are we looking at? Present. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't want to get go back to the eighties again. Yeah, well, technically, can... Screen Park didn't take place in the eighties. Right, they it had was... cell phones, but man, it, it felt like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you you made an eighties type slasher, right? Is what I was saying. Yeah, but you don't want to do a time machine timepiece because that would result in so much budget. Yeah, and I'm trying to keep the budget under control under mm. under this one. There's certain things that are going to require budget. Mm. Um. One of the things that, that there's going to be a lot of work done is with drones uh, for aerial photography. I have seen this done. A guy I know, Mike Maggot, you may have heard of him or not. He's been on the show a few times um, at shows. He hasn't actually been in the studio. But he uh, was using a drone at the Living Dead Fest, uh, Living Dead Weekend last year, taking film over the tracks. And he just brought this thing down. It was like the coolest footage it's the- ever. Like, yeah, and... Uh, but if he, I mean, it's a one-shot deal because if you lose that thing, it's going over a ravine, and that's the end of it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the fear uh, losing control of it. So there was a heavy investment on a high-end one. We're gonna, there's going to be a lot of test footage taken with it. So uh, even if you're into that kind of thing and you don't care about movies, if you want to follow the page and just kind of see what some of the test footage looks like, I'll share some of it. But there's um, 
there's certain things that I'm using the drone for to capture. Uh, but also, I'm really curious to see how it would be, or how well it would do to replace things like crane shots, dolly shots, mm. action shots, tracking a certain way, just because it's so smooth. Um, crane shots. And it's, so you're talking a bit of a budget here. <laughs> well, at least it looks like it has a, a oh, bit of right, a budget. Right. So that's yeah. where the drone's supposed to come in. Now, there's aerial photography that, that I just wouldn't be able to afford with a helicopter, but I think with a drone, we can get the same effect. Nice. Um, and I'm really, really excited to see how that kind of stuff looks in the theater. Mm-hmm. So, first and foremost, though, I, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, flying a drone for commercial purposes requires FAA approval and yeah. various certifications. Actually, I'm kind of glad to hear that. I have to become, in order to fly this thing for filmmaking purposes, I basically have to become an unmanned aerial vehicle pilot. Right. And actually take tests at the airport um, to fly this thing, so... But hey, it's worth it. It's going to look great. I'm excited. That's cool. I guess they're going to be uh, tracking you too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, yeah, there'll be registration and all that kind of stuff. Well, so. well you got the proof. You got to film. <laughs> well, they don't show. want you flying them into like commercial airliners and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, I wonder what the regulations are because I, I drove to New Jersey recently and there was a drone just over the highway, just sitting there and it looked creepy because it was big and it was at night. Some of them it just big. it was just hovering there and it it, it made it's. Traffic actually stopped. It caused more of a ruckus than <laughs> it helped because people are like, "What the hell is that?" You know, like it's just sitting there. God knows what it was. It, I didn't get a ticket, and I know I was doing ninety. So wow, until everybody stopped. It's confession time. Indeed. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I can get some legitimate, authentic reaction shots of people looking at a UFO when this thing's flying around in the dark, blink- blinking lights on it. Oh. All right, look, we're going to take a quick break, folks, uh, for station identification. i got to pay the bills, too. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to hear a throwback to the 80s from my friends that made that movie, that horror slasher I talked about earlier called The Barn. We have a song coming from that, and it is definitely this whole soundtrack that they made. This is, uh, like I said, a throwback to a movie, a little movie called Neon Maniacs, if you can find that one. Uh, it's definitely a monster movie, slasher movie, but they actually tried to shoot for the 80s in this, and the soundtrack is not hiding it. And uh, we'll play that in a little bit, too. But first, uh, let's hear a commercial, and we'll get back with Carrie Hill. Thanks. Looking for a new place to try for date night or just to hang out with the family? Go to someone else's bar located at 3841 Willow Avenue, Pittsburgh, PA. Open Tuesdays to Saturday, 4 to 11. The kitchen is open every night until 11 p.m. Want to try a new brew? Try the revolving handle. Or the beer of the month. Food specials include wing sale Wednesday, 20% off of 6 or 12 wings, and free celery upon request. New items include the fish wrap, grilled fish, fresh cut fries, homemade coleslaw, and a, and a wrap with your choice of sauce. Or the delicious burger quesadilla, ground Angus beef, choice of cheese, lettuce, tomato, add on any topping you would to a burger. To see more specials, menu, and directions, go to www.someoneelsesbar.com. Someone Else's Bar. Food, drinks, candy. Why go anywhere else? This is Dava Shewolf, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Thanks. I don't. I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> no one blames me. No, they all blame me, actually. Welcome back to Kettle Whistle Radio with Carrie Hill. Talking Night Sky, his next endeavor, which I'm very excited about. I, I am as well. It's going to be something different. Um, 
Not that I don't love horror films anymore, but but you did one. I, I, I did one. You made a great one. Uh, we tried to do a sequel to it. It's still in the. I wouldn't say it's done. It's in turnaround, so they say. Pre-production. Pre-production for eternity. Um, no, hopefully not. I, I, I like. I was telling you on the break. I mean, I I couldn't be happier with the script. I love the script for it. Um, it sounded cool, and I know stuff. And it's. It's the only script that I currently have where it's not like, I need to do this, I need to make changes, oh, I should change this. I, I haven't touched it in two years, and I honestly feel like it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to do it someday. It really comes down to budget, because there's a certain way that I want to do it. Okay. Um, but maybe we'll come back to that Yeah. You know, after Night Sky. Or I, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on a mountain of scripts right now. I've been writing for the last three four years i know that i got a nice pile going um various budgets various genres etc etc but night sky finally hit i mean it hit across the board as far as interest story and feasibility okay um you know we were also talking about the fact that you being a creative person you understand where it's you start an endeavor a project an idea and you get so far and you just kind of burn out it's like you burn out going anywhere i can't figure it out don't want to end it sometimes too the hardest thing about making a film is keeping the interest going to the point from, you know, what could be a multiple years process, mm-hmm. staying interested in it from day one to the last day. Um, and there was a film that I was working on that I got really close that I thought was going to be the next one, but I couldn't crack the third act. It's still sitting there. It's two thirds of a script. It's even based on a novel. And you would think that adapting a pre existing novella it would be all the materials there but i was still struggling to crack it i'd still like to do it because there's very very cool things i can do cinematically with it mm-hmm. um it is a period piece speak yeah. of the devil yes um and it would be awesome to do but it's you know just couldn't hold my attention like i can't deal with this it's uh, not well, the hardest no part what people don't realize like writing first of all a storyboard to me is kind of easy now I, i've done that been there done that it's easy to do especially when you have a great artist you're working with and you can interpret. And I do with Shatara there. I just showed you with the... the looking with my, at Demon Eye. The Demon Eye comic book. She was amazing. All I had to do was explain and do it in detail with a uh, shooting script, basically. And she did it. She pulled things out of my mind that are on those... That, those color, All full color, 26 pages, folks. Demon Eye, you can get it at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. Anyway, but you could also just see a, a glimpse of it. There's a trailer. There's a musical trailer for it with a band called Magnet School that does the soundtrack for it, and it's on my website. So the first thing you'll see is the trailer for Demon Eye, which I'm so proud of because the band is amazing. Uh, Magnet School were amazing. These guys from Austin, just a great band, and uh, I have Shatara to thank for that. Uh, the, the coloring, oh my God. You saw it. It's an anime comic. It's, it's just, I was just going to say, it's, it looks like anime. It's a dream come true, you know? But um, honestly, what, what it comes down to, when it comes, uh, well, the point I was getting to is storyboarding was easy, but writing a, sh- uh, writing a script... And you're saying coming from a, a novel or even a novella, what do you cut out? What don't you cut out? What do you add? You know, what makes it more exciting in this scene? What do, should I have this part? Should this character even be in it? It's hard. It's the novella was called Tomorrow's Eve, and it was a 19th century French novella, um, and it it was fascinating. It's a fascinating novel because it's it's about the idea of creating the first android and that's actually where the word android came from was this novella and it's thomas edison designs and builds the very first android but it's a copy of an existing person so they use this this woman as a model and build a mechanical simulacrum of them 
um, and the person that's in love with the real woman becomes in love with the simulacrum, who of course doesn't age and can be programmed and everything like that. And this, the book was written in 1885, I oh believe. Oh my god! Um, and I wanted to do it in that era. I had actually done some early, early scouting, some wardrobe designs and things like that. And I was like, this is going to look fantastic because there's only four or five characters in the android and everything. It just doesn't translate easily into a screenplay. It's the book is so philosophical. Mm. Again, this is 19th century cybernetics and uh, philosophy of what it means to be human, and it's it's mind blowing to read it from you know that long ago. But it's very difficult to put into a three act screenplay with it. So I still love the idea. I'd like to still adapt it at some point, but it was I just couldn't crack the third act. And so while I was sort of kicking around the dust, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? There was just that lightning in a bottle moment where I'm looking over, you know, this pile of outlines and ideas and 6,000 files on my laptop of various ideas and all of a sudden night sky just kind of came together and i was like oh if i take if i take this hmm. and this piece and i take these characters oh and i can use that idea that's been sitting on the shelf for years and kind of set that as the backdrop and all of a sudden i was writing note cards i was writing scenes out and the damnedest thing happened um the best way that I have found to break down your screenplay before you start writing is to just use note cards. And you break down the first act, the first half of the second act, the second half of the second act, and the third act. And it's funny because generally when you write a screenplay, the first thing you come up with are all the trailer moments, the big lines, the big set pieces, and those generally fall in the center of the film, particularly the first half of the second act. And when I did the, all the cards for Night Sky, I had the first act and the third act done, and the third act is always the last thing that gets done because mm. when you look at your corkboard of all of your, your pinned-up note cards, the third act is always bare because you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to introduce the characters, here's the bad guy, here's this part, and this is fun, and here's the turnaround and the midpoint and everything, and the third act is always bare. Night Sky backed in, and the whole third act figured out before anything else, and it's just so weird coming from that, but it made it really easy. It's why yeah. So you put basically you put the gray metal puzzle together, and it's and it came yeah like it was in pieces all over the place. You get inspired, and suddenly something hits you. I, I watched a movie. Um, I, I I'll say the movie. Uh, it was called Low L O. It's uh, about a demon and a guy that conjures up this demon. They have this conversation. I watched it years ago, and it didn't inspire me. I liked it. It's a low budget indie film. Loved it. It was on Netflix, and um. Like, I, I'm putting together this other story, and I was like, you know, I should go back and revisit that. Plus another old 80s movie called Extro. I don't know if you know Oh, that. my God. Yeah. There's, like, three of them. Yeah, but don't watch the others. No, no, no. Just watch the first British-made Extro. Yeah. Uh, it's so dark. So dark. It, 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 it's it, pretty messed up. It, it came out, like, as... um, It came out, like, just after E.T. 83. And yeah, yep. it was just like I said. The, 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 the scroll on it was not all uh, extraterrestrials are friendly. But anyway, that... But I revisited Low, and I revisited Extro. And boom, it hit me from something I did, like, I thought about five years ago, and it put the puzzle together. So that's what happens. It, inspiration comes from the strangest places. I It's funny. I Probably a couple of years ago, right after Screen Park... And I've, I've learned this, and I'll be prepared moving forward. But after Screen Park was screening and at festivals, and everyone was like, what's next? What's next? I was like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. This took years, mm-hmm. and all of my money and sweat, and I'm exhausted. I literally have no idea what's next. And when I, when I sat down, I was like, okay, what is next? There was about six months where I couldn't think of a single freaking idea, and it was driving me insane. 
And now, like I said, I am drowning in outlines, pieces, note cards. Like I, and I have several scripts that are done that I've done over the past few years. I mean, if money were never ending, mm. I would be set for the next ten years for projects. <laughs> um, but it comes down to again feasibility, and that's where Night Sky was like, I can do this. I can see me doing this. I can totally get this done within a reasonable budget. It's going to look great. I'm excited. Um, but feasibility is what it came down to. And there were several other projects that I had written or were writing. And I was like, this is just, I can't do it. I don't mm. have the money or the means or the location. Um, but again, lightning in a bottle with Night Sky. It was, okay, here's here's the third act. I'm laid out. Wow, this is like, mm. you know, Yellow Brick Road. I'm set. I've got the whole story. Oh my God, I can actually film this. This is feasible. And it's like, all right, we got it. This is the next one. So is it going to be dark? Um, I want to say it's going to be strange. Mm. And what's the other word I would describe? I mean, it's adventurous and mysterious. I don't want to say dark. Okay. Um, I read your, your opening story for uh, Fiends of the Flesh, and that's dark. I went as dark as I could. Yeah. And it's... I Actually, I want to talk about this. Because I think you've discovered a new genre of biker horror. Mm. <laughs> um, and there's something to it. I, I, it's very fascinating. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't say it's dark. Like I said, I, I'm going for more of a Spielbergian type. I want to see if I can do it. Can I do that sort of heartstring, emotional, suspense, okay. tense? Um, but you're straying from like X Files type stuff. I love X Files. That's don't get me wrong. My favorite show. Okay. Are you of going like? But you're dealing. You said you're dealing with the kids' experience, or it's it's done from from the kids' point of view in the sense that you have all of these strange goings on in this town, but it's done from their perspective. People are going missing every day. They go to school. There's more people just gone. See, that's dark. I I guess, but from a kid's perspective, you wouldn't think of it as dark. As an adult, you're like. This is strange, man. This is this is this is weird. But for kids, it's like, what's going on? What? <laughs> and of course, in, in typical fashion, the adults are sort of oblivious to it. But the kids know something's going on. Something, you know, right. and they're trying to alert people. Hey, look, there's people missing. There's strange things. We're seeing lights in the sky, and the adults are just going about their day job, or they're not interested, or you, you know, you damn kids and your video games. <laughs> um, but they're aware of it. Because they're kids. Right. Um, they're more open to it. Right. Hence, and, Stranger Things. And folks, don't worry. He's going to definitely take a left turn. He's not <laughs> He's not copying. I, I loved Stranger Things. I It's eight episodes. I watched the first two, and I was like, okay, I get the references. I know all the movies they're referencing. It's I, not I, bad. I just know what they're thinking listening to this right now. So and I'm I, just like, I'm just telling them right now, this is going to be different. And I remember I was watching with my wife and we got halfway through and I was like, we need to finish this now. Yeah. Like, I need to watch the next four now. Yeah. Um, it starts slow and it's very slow burning and it's just kind of like, okay, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. But the last four episodes, I'm like, no, no bathroom breaks. We, just, we keep going. We power through. Um, and I'm so excited for season two. And season three just got I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the one thing I do want to avoid, and I want to say this because I, I don't want to compare it to Stranger Things. I love what Stranger Things did. I love the feel of it and the kids and everything. I'm trying to uncompare it is what I'm trying um, to do. What I don't want, when what Night Sky is not going to be, is, is it's not going to be, oh, it's a throwback to blah x right um it has its influences i'm sure the x files is, are one of them i mean that's my favorite show of all time um stephen king's it i think it has a lot to do with it 
it. Uh, think about it. Did you you never read it? We've had this conversation. No, I've read it. Yeah, a long time well, ago. Just the kids know, in the know, and the oh, and the not, parents don't want it. right. So it's right. up to the kids. Denial. Yeah, it's kind of that way. Um, yeah. I really like that original min- miniseries. I'm, I'm looking know, forward to the new it. I don't know if I care or not. I haven't figured it out. <laughs> uh, I, anyway. I'm, I'm partial to the original miniseries. It's cheesy. Oh, it's cheesy. It really it was is. Made for TV, but John Ritter's in it. I love John him. Ritter. Um, it's a great cast. Uh, Emily Perkins. What was her name? Who played? Uh, oh, I forget. Richard. What's his name? From John Boy. From yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he played uh, Ben. No, he was Bill. Bill. Bill Denbro. Yeah. 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 I like that. I'm looking forward to the new one, and it is going to be in two parts, of course, the kids and then the adults, and I'm okay with that. So you're. It's you have you have your work cut out for you. To make your stuff completely original and nothing like what's out there, because it seems like people are delving into this suddenly, even though it's uh, been around for twenty, yeah. thirty years. Um, well, one of the things that, well, actually, I, I've, I've put this on. Um, I made a label and it's on my laptop, and mm. it just says "Keep the blinders on," mm. um, where it's just like kind of keep my head down, work on my own thing. I mean, I. I can't say I'm not influenced by things, but it's I don't want this to be like, oh man, that's a rip off of this, or oh, it's clearly a throwback. It's like it's it needs to be its own thing. Yeah, uh, both as, you know because that's the way I want it to be, but also as a filmmaker, you can't just keep making films that are just oh, it's my take on this, right. or it's you know inspired by that. I mean, it's I'd like to do it as its own. It's weird that I started with an adaptation of a novella and a sequel to a film I made and everything, but it was the original idea that it was like, this is the one. This is where I'm going to go forward. Well, somebody else that sits in that chair quite often, John Russo, uh, you know, our, our buddy, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. John Russo's been here? Oh, my He's God. Sitting, He's really? a regular. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to prove that to you in a second. But um, um, He's chained in the basement. My, <laughs> no, my Uncle John is a zombie's coming out, and we talked about it. He um, actually, right where you're sitting, he uh, we recorded the two songs that he sings for the soundtrack. He what? Yes. He's got a hell of a voice. Really? And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I'm not going to say anything else, but yes, I get credits for uh, soundtrack, and he sang them right here. And if you look over there, there's a bottle. See that little airplane bottle of vodka? Yes. He let me keep that. That's what he downed before he sang because he just wanted to have a... Clear his throat. Yeah, and and ease his uh, nerves. And and actually, he didn't need it. He was good before it, and then he (laughs) downed it. And Actually, third take. But it did take three times coming into the studio, three different times to come here to clean it up. Then we sent the tracks over to uh, my friend Salon Sangaris over uh, upstate New York, who played the bass and guitar, and uh, another guy mixed it. That's wild. But the vocals were done right here for that movie, folks. Yes, in is Helm's it done? Headquarters. Is the movie done? Yeah, the movie's been screened at least three or four times. Rough cuts. Um, it hasn't been premiered in Pittsburgh. It, it was outside of Pittsburgh. It was, but it hasn't been like a big premiere yet because it wasn't completely finished. I think now it's it is. I was going to say, how have I missed this? But I've been yeah. locked in my office for four years. <laughs> That was I haven't really uh, seen the light of day. It was a fun time being on that production, and once again, you get to see me get shot in the head. People, I, they, I don't know if my if my listeners actually are going to go watch these films because I keep telling them, "You want to see me get shot in the head?" There's two chances, and one's tomorrow night. Of course, we talked about this four or five shows ago. The Chop by your buddy and mine, Jack Davis. Jack Davis. And my my, my friend, uh, Carrie Schoberg, Carrie Jubilee. It's playing at the Hollywood tomorrow night, but that doesn't help you guys now. I told you two weeks ago <laughs> that it's playing, but it'll be out again. But The Chop, you can see my head get blown off. There so yeah. when you say blown off... Well, it, from what I hear, it looks really good. Um, are you taking a bullet and the back blows out, or is your head literally... Is it, exploding, is it a scanner's exploding head? From what I hear in The Chop... I know exactly how I go down. 
and I, I like that the hero takes me down. It's really are you a bad guy? Yeah, very briefly, but um, yeah, it's an explosion of blood, and I I actually hurt myself. Eleven takes later, falling over. They blew up your head eleven times. Yeah, but the the, the blood came in later. But oh. the, uh, the 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 bloodshot um, in. Um, my uncle John is a zombie. That was actually I got to see that one, and I, one of those deals where you, I, I, I shouldn't give away the magic, but I got to explode my own head by pressing a certain capsule. Well, there is no magic; they just use real heads and yeah. shoot them. That's I, I have no, no of no other way to do it. Yeah, it wasn't my head. But anyway, that enough said about that. But anyway, that airplane bottle, yeah, that Mr. John Russo drank out of that to do his little zombie doobie, which you'll get to hear in the film. And uh, that's my story about vodka right there. So it sounds like if I cast you in anything, your head needs to explode, regardless of the subject matter or the film itself. It's the going rate. It's the going rate, yes. I, I can't promise that would be a night sky, but maybe we can get a fake movie trailer before the movie of some film where your head explodes. <laughs> a just fake to trailer. Keep the, yeah, I like the Just fake to keep trailer, the, uh, the, the, right. the trend alive. We're going to take a quick break here, folks. And uh, I'm going to leave you with uh, a little soundtrack from The Barn called Take It. Uh, What's the name of the band again? The band, I know, the band, it's, it's a hard name. Hanson Tramp. Hanson, H-A-N-N-S-O-N, Tramp. Okay, so it's not the band Hanson from the no, 90s. not Reimagined as a metal right? yeah, no, quartet. But this, this is actually, this is an 80s type soundtrack. So we're going to play that for these guys at the barn. And check out the barn movie. It's fun. And we'll get right back with Mr. Carrie Hill.
So, we were just talking a little Blood Beach. If you've seen my Facebook page, that is my... That's my uh, I, wallpaper. I love John there. Saxon in that movie. John Saxon in Blood Beach. Uh, it's a, an old favorite. Sure, it's cheesy, but 80s cheesy is good. It's Dave fun. has handed me a stack of really <laughs> bad bootleg <laughs> movies, um, and I'm really intrigued by several of them. Good. Um, this all just started because we were discussing the film Elves. Yes, Elves. With Dan Haggerty. Great scene of Dan Haggerty dressed as Santa. Oh, well, he was a Santa Claus, a, a mall Santa Claus. Yep. Great, greatest scene is somebody that... A homeless mall Santa Claus. smokes a cigarette and brushes his teeth at the same time. That is the best part of that film, other than the elf that bites a girl's finger, but because the, the, the latex mouth couldn't close right, it couldn't bite her finger off, and it just kind of bounces off her fingers. It's so I, awful. I have an affinity for really bad B films. That's one of the um, worst. The back of the box just says the ridiculous plot concerns the efforts of a group of Nazis to set the stage for a Fourth Reich by mating one of the Santa Claus elves with a pretty teenaged waitress. Yeah. Um, I just picked this up on VHS. I did. I never thought to try to find it on a, a bootleg. It's DVD. taken me twenty years. <laughs> um, you got quite a big stack here. Humongous. Oh, well, that's one of my favorites. You know, I remember. You know many many moons ago 30 years ago being not very old a few years old but being in you know a vhs rental place and i remember always seeing the artwork for humongous yes always i don't know how but it's it's just one of those pieces of artwork that i remember it's a great cover and there uh, there's jet in the background my 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 dogs always have part of the show so that's just the way it goes but no humongous was um if you were a kid at a sleepover and you were like nine or ten years old it was creepy as hell and i always tell people they've heard it on here it runs like a really creepy scooby-doo episode for adults and that's about it you know that there's not much to it but it's what's there is fun it's just a fun popcorn movie you know don't expect much and that's the best thing about these films starring joy bouchelle who (laughs) went on to other things it's it's great finding people in these films that are just what are they doing in there but at the time, either A, they were washed up and they were a name, or B, they hadn't really broken out yet. And, uh, you know, you've you got the Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. Yes. There's no way to undo that. She can never take that back. She can't take that um, back. Or the nose job she had after. <laughs> I, you said it, not me. Um, but just the fact that anytime you watch Leprechaun, there's Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I t- yeah. I did. I, I took my home at the time, my poor girlfriend. Oh, my God. She, uh, she, I have not heard the end of it to this day. Who became my wife? But, um, yeah, we, I took her on opening night for a leprechaun because uh, Warwick Davis, I believe. Yeah. The lepre- oh, my God. What was I thinking? Opening night. And that thing went on to what? Six or seven different. I've lost track. I think they're I, still making them somewhere. I've never. Maybe Ireland. I've, they just keep going. I've never gone on to. Oh, my God. But anyway, so, night sky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about this a little more. I, actually. If it's all right with you, I want to bring up your story that I read in in Fiends of the Flesh. Which is odd. There's two, and you didn't read the alien one. I Shame on me. I That's missed okay. the second yeah. page of the table of contents. But now I know. <laughs> it's easy to do. Um, but no, you, I mean, you had the opening story of the book. Okay. And that one was very easy to come upon because it was first and foremost. I kind of, it was a no holds barred. I just kind of let loose. Is it... Is it wrong to say that there were parts that I laughed? And not like, haha, yeah. this is bad, but like I laughed at the writing of it, and I'm like, oh my oh, god, yeah. I'm laughing at this. Oh, you're meant to. Yeah, you're uh, absolutely meant the, to get I, chuckles here and there. I have to call out the part where the 
the pool stick found a home. I, it's my favorite line of the entire story. And that's the part I had to warn my mom about. Cause she, <laughs> Your I was mother like, read this? That's what I said. And I, I, a few people are very upset about that. Um, certain things in that. Cause it is, it, it's depraved. The, for, the whole book, the whole story, 45 pages is very depraved. What I found, the best way I could describe this for those of you who have not read this story is, is that it's, uh, Sons of Anarchy meets Saw. Um, there's some supernatural in there as well. I haven't been able to really change my pitch beyond that, but at least when I was thinking about it after reading the first half, I was like, yeah, this is Sons of Anarchy meets Saw. I appreciate that. Um, I It's devilishly wicked. I, there's parts where I laugh. There's I... I don't know how much you want to protect what the story is or everything, I, but just I don't the the two guys and it's Halloween night, right? And they're basically trying to one up each other in their stories of who's done worse things. It's, yeah, just kind of basically four. We'll say four serial killers of different types meet and okay. swap stories, and it's you know it becomes a, a pissing contest of of who's done the worst murder. Or the worst thing, and it and it was really a lot of fun going back and forth where they you know spin the knife and okay it's your turn see if you can top the last story um, and they go into the flashbacks that was great I, I really really enjoyed that part Thank of it um, and it's and then suddenly it it there's a supernatural element and it goes into left field and it's like whoa yeah there's a lot going on because it, it starts so straightforward I guess that's how it opens. It's almost like these two guys have this Halloween ritual. Mm-hmm. They sit down, they play this game where they try to one-up each other with their, their gruesome stories, and then suddenly they've got visitors, and the game takes on more players, and it, again, goes out in the left field because these other two players are very different from the first two. And there's all kinds of stuff hidden throughout the cabin. And yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I was thinking about this. You do what I'm unable to do. Wait and what I mean is is that this is basically a chamber drama. It takes place in one room. Yes, there's some flashbacks. I have a lot of trouble writing chamber drama type stuff. One couple characters, one room. This is why I don't do short films is because I can never contain my ideas. Stuff just sort of runs wild. Next thing I know, I've got this huge landscape with all these characters and, you know needing serious production value i i can't contain my ideas within the chamber drama it's never worked for me i appreciate that that's something i never thought i could do it's not at least for me it's it's not easy so it's not it only like a guy this guy uh dave sabo uh who a really nice guy um somebody's just been following me he gave me uh, the greatest compliment he's like i gotta get this to tarantino like, like, if you have a way, sir, please do that. I, well, have you thought about adapting like this for this as a short film? I would love to because it's it's doable. It's I mean it's 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 visual, very visual enough to with, to totally do this with one basically location. You know, it can be done. You don't need to have multiple. I mean, the flashbacks. If you're going to go with the flashbacks, then you know, then you got to go somewhere else. But you, can, it's you just have to find a girl willing to take that pull mm. stick. Well, I think we can improvise and <laughs> it's not show editing, editing. Uh, but that's not. I mean, there's so. But there's I, honestly, like, I. It's one of those things. And folks, if you write, and you know, I, I don't know how many of your families actually read what you write. Um, my family does not, but my mother does, and I warned her. I was like, "Mom, listen, you know, um, I turned it up a notch," <laughs> and uh, and just and she was like, "Don't worry about." It. She loved the story. <laughs> where did, well, that's great. Where did where did the story come from? Is it just an idea? Is it, in a way, and don't take this the wrong way, 
it felt like it was a release. Thank you. It was. Uh, in a sense of like either either pent up aggression or repressed something or other, or literally it's just like the stuff I've been writing just doesn't scratch that itch, so I'm just going to take off the totally. kid gloves and we're just going to have at it and get this out. Totally deflated. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it, 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 it yeah, it was a, an exorcism. Um, and folks close to me will tell you, um, yeah, I, it's one of those things I had to get out cause I was, I want to see how far I could go and still have a story. Yeah. I, I, I don't like a splatter film just for the splatter. I, I, I like, a, I have to care about the characters, you know, but I, I, I wanted to, yeah, like you said, it, it, it just I had to get it out. I wanted to do that thing, and I'm not done yet. My next one's gonna be a more uh, laid back, kind of like what you're doing, but in your face, still sci-fi horror. But this one just had to be done. It had to be done. And even the second story on there is kind of brutal too, but not to the extent. I'm gonna keep reading. I'm just gonna keep making my way through the book. I'd like to see what some of these other Wait stories. Wait till you see some people. of the other stories. Uh, Nelson Pyle's story is great. John Tower's story is something completely different from anything I've ever read. And the rest of them, I can't even tell you. Like some of them, are, they're not all horror. We have like a Watership Down. Well, the uh, the, the Amazon blurb was actually really intriguing because it basically called it a compendium of. It was horror stories involving, and it it listed it. It was like monsters, aliens, creatures, yeah. the unknown. I'm like. Wow, I wrote that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Well, that, that's a great hook. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, yeah, but it, it, the fiends of the flesh really are the authors themselves. It's about that. My story is, of course, both. <laughs> you met them, patchwork. I mean, just he is that. You know, um, great names, by the way, too. I, I you write in a, in a way that these characters do not blur together. I have no problem telling them apart. It happens a lot too with with. Um, you know, local or up and coming writers, it's just you can't like who's this? Uh, it's why? Wait, which one's doing what? The names are great, um, and I wanted to make sure I told you that too because it's they've got nicknames, they've got you know. To me, uh, I hope this isn't giving it away. It was kind of clear mm. in the book, mm. but um, of course now I can't think of it. But the werewolf's name was a great name for a werewolf. Yeah, well, yeah, the uh, vampires. That was Del Ruse. Uh It was it was Richard. I can. See, oh my God! Where's my book? <laughs> this is the part that you yeah. edit out. Oh I, yeah. Because I remember reading. I'm like, this is a great Kane. Yeah, Kane. Richard. I mean, to me, if I were watching a film or even like a, you know, faux documentary, I'm like, that's a great name for a werewolf. They're yeah. They're all. They all and they all know each other by what they've done. That's yeah, they, it's reputation. Yeah. Right. And and there's also just the guy. There's just a guy, he's just a guy, just an evil dude that just happens to be in their presence. And they don't really respect each other, but they respect each other to sit at that table and play the game and hear the stories. And after that, well, where it goes, who knows? Uh, but I, I, I was setting out to write the ultimate Halloween story, and that's what I wanted. That That's the bottom line. That's I, I liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot. Thank you. Um, I would like to see you... I don't know if, if you ever try to make the jump to screen. I mean, you're acting in films now. Uh, I'm but, not acting. I'm getting killed. But I, <laughs> it, it would be well, you, you can kill yourself in your own movie. <laughs> I haven't even done that yet. Um, but you, I'd like to see you take a stab at it. Hmm. Get a camera. Get some friends together. See if you can actually start to adapt some of this, or at least shoot a trailer for it. Hmm. You know, you don't need a whole lot of footage—ninety seconds to two minutes worth. 
cut it together. See, that's a talent I don't have, and that's what you you do. I, I going getting the right actors for those parts, uh, the casting alone. I could find the locations, but casting alone for something like that, I don't know that I can do that. I I, I could, and yet, my God, writing a shooting script for that, sure, I could do that. It would take me a good long time, but it would be good. But it's intimidating, very intimidating. But finding the right people, like I picture. Ah, people that don't exist. I mean, I don't know if you could if you could <laughs> find the, them. Jesus that's Christ. my favorite thing about casting is is that you have, you know, you write the screenplay, you have an idea of what these people look like um, or what you want them to look like, and it evolves when you start casting. You think, okay, this person sounds like the character, but they don't look like what I thought, and it changes. Um, and when you start having people read, you get to see it with so many different faces and voices and uh, personalities and everything. It's so much fun to do that. And then it starts to get really exciting when you actually cast. Yeah. You say, okay, now I have someone to read the part, to act the part. And they're now that character. They're not just a name and words on the page. Right. They're flesh and blood. Um, yeah, you've I, done it. You've it's, done it. It's a hoot. It's one of my favorite parts about filmmaking. It's It's, it's amazing. But anyway, folks, I, that was the greatest endorsement ever by Mr. Kerry Hill. I appreciate it. <laughs> I expect to be on the back of the next issue of the book. <laughs> you can pick up Fiends of the Flesh at Barnes & Noble, and yeah, we've we got to get Kerry involved next time. Um, Barnes & Noble and www.burningbowlpublishing.com. Of course, my other stuff is at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. I would write. I would write a short story for an anthology. Okay. I don't know what it would be about, but I would, I'd be happy to take a stab There at might that. be more opportunities. There might be know. a... We'll see how Maybe this Maybe I can put all these you know, stacks of ideas and notes and things to use. You see, that's helpful. You should do that. Because some of those short stories become broader, and that's what happened with my first book, The Fall of Tomorrow. It was a short story, and my publisher approached me and said, you know, it was in the big book of Bazaar, I said, can you adapt this to a novel? And I was like... No, <laughs> but I will. And then it, it just happened. It was one? Of, it was at like a couple, of, like a couple of weeks. I did it in a month. Like maybe it, when you have that sort of positive reinforcement, where it's like somebody wants to see this, or wants to see it happen, or wants to see it become a novel. I think it's like you know, yeah, uh, nuclear energy behind the yes. the process. I mean, it's so powerful because one of the things that at least I deal with when you're writing and you're and you're trying to come up with things. I, it's always like the five steps of grief. It starts out with this is the greatest idea I've ever had. Oh right. my God, this is going to work. I can totally do this. And then it starts to break down. Two weeks into it, it's like, what are you thinking? No one's going to like this. Oh God, it's terrible. And then it sort of breaks down. It's how far you can get within those two weeks. And then it just <laughs> sort of grinds to a halt. Um, when you have an idea or your your process blasts through that and you're still going, you know you're onto something. At least I am. That, that's just sort of my process. If it comes natural, then it's supposed to be. That's I, all there is to it. I just can't get out of my own way sometimes. That's that's <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to these things. Well, we're going to get out of Carrie's way for a moment here and get right back to you, and we'll wrap things up. Thanks for listening, and uh, now this. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor, 
Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game. <laughs> Bring it home. Yeah, bringing it home right now, talking about Jaws 3D and how I saw all four Jaws movies in the theater, and Carrie Hill is appalled that I did that. The audience is probably more intrigued by what's going on when the mics are off, (laughs) because we come back and we're discussing Jaws 3, (laughs) Jaws the Revenge. He's going through all my Uh, paperback novels over here. Yeah, uh, I mean, the novelization of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yep, Jaws 2, novelization, Halloween 3, The Prophecy, not the one with Christopher Walken. What is Night Face? Oh, Night Face. Oh, that, well, she used to be one of my hosts here. I'll give her some big ups. Hold on, hold on folks. It, it sounds like, I don't know, it's like Ghost Face for, for Scream, but it's Night Face. Uh, right next to the Demons novelization to the left. Yep. Oh, yeah, to the yeah. right of the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom novelization. Yeah. It's a great vampire novel by my friend Lydia Peaver. We used to we used to do a, a segment on the show together, but she does her own podcast now. But Lydia Peaver, it's it's a very original, very original. Is that a bloody story. orange on the cover? It is, and there's reason for that. Um, pretty violent, very good. Her characters are amazing, and I she's working on a sequel. Last I spoke with her. I don't know that it's out yet, but yeah, Lydia Peaver, yeah, yeah, you can go back and you can listen to her. She has great radio voice. Her podcast is amazing, too, uh, but yeah. I wish I were a novelist. I feel like it'd be so much easier. You yeah, do it yourself. You don't need other people. You don't need a budget. You don't need to actually record things with a camera, then cut them together. But the gratification of uh, seeing people or witnessing people in the theater watching what you did. That's true. You know, you no. get that. See, I don't get, I'm like, a, you know, if I stood in a corner and watched, in a dark corner and watched somebody read my book... <laughs> Really not the same effect. <laughs> uh, no, they I'll take your word for that. They would get up and leave. I no, think. you're right. There's there's something about being locked in a theater, a dark theater with a bunch of strangers, taking in what you just spent a whole lot of time making. Um, and I remember the first time we screened, I guess it was an assembly cut. It wasn't color corrected. It wasn't touched up. It wasn't, the, the sound wasn't mixed quite um, we did a special screening on Halloween in Meadville, right by where we filmed it at Cody Out Lake Park. And this was the first time that the film was going to be in front of strangers. Hmm. Um, and I drank. Oh, no. A lot of Jack Daniels. Oh, my God. Um, it was like a big gulp cup of Jack and Coke. Because, <laughs> I, you know, it's. The analogy is is that this is your kid's first day at school. Yeah. You've raised your child, you've spent time at home and everything, and then now you've sent them off to school to the world. They're going to make friends, they're going to make enemies, they're going to be bullied, etc. So this was the equivalent of that. So here we were, and the only way I could deal with it was I got a drink. I mean, it was just I was I was sweating. I was it was terrified. I was like, you know, what if this is bad? It's all over. The dream's dead. Um <laughs> I'm sitting next to my parents. Oh my god! Uh, 
But it was awesome because, you know, when you when you get the first laugh and it's supposed to be coordinated that way and it's supposed to be a laugh and you get that first laugh, it's the greatest feeling in the world. And when they're into it and they're hooting and hollering and yelling at the screen, I mean, it's amazing. It, it's, a, it's a feeling unlike any other. So I get it. I understand totally where you're coming from. Absolutely. That's why uh, writers keep belting them out um, like this in prose. You never really get that gratification. You get it out of your head. But if, hey, if it makes it to the big screen, then... And I think that's the minimum thing, and that's... I mean, you nailed it. Why do we write? Because we have to. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the answer. Yeah. We create because we have to. There is no alternative. There is no, I don't feel like it, or there is no, no, I'm not going to do this. It's just, you have to. It's an addiction in its own form. Um, it, it, it's you got to get it out. If you don't get it out, then it stays with you, and you're like you're in this dark place all the time. Musicians get to do it, and I've talked to musicians, and they, they get it out on stage, and then they're, they're good for a week, <laughs> at least. They're good for a week. Me and you, what we write these things, and we got to wait years sometimes, or, or a year at a time, eight months at a time. And sometimes it grows just from a kernel, right? It's an idea, meaning that it's not even formed, so it's it's it could best be described in a few words. It's not even a sentence, and then mm-hmm. it goes from there to a bunch of pages yeah. and a book and a cover, or it goes to a script that becomes word spoken and recorded, and you know it's just wild that it kind of grows from that embryonic stage yes and i don't want to discourage people i'm tr- actually trying to encourage the writer in folks that listen to this get it out do it yeah you know, i mean write it's, it down it took me a while to come with the terms with to the fact that people don't need to read it because hmm. i don't know you, you start writing and you're like oh my god people are just gonna hate this or this is a stupid idea it, you don't have to share any of it right uh in, in a lot of cases probably 90 percent of what i write's for me yeah It'll be found when I've passed on with my estate, and people are going to be like, this guy's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be just piles of paper and, and hard drives of files and things like that, and it'll just be this bizarre plethora of half ideas and malformed thoughts but and things like that. If that one person comes up to you, like you said, you know, they clapped at the first laughing point, you know, a, a good chuckle or whatever during your film, or they react, in a, you know, they, they scream at one point where you want them to scream. For me, it's at a convention, and somebody comes up to me and say, "Hey, man, that's a great story. Really good. Thank you so much for you know." And I've had actually had that happen. It's nice. Or I get a follower on Twitter, you know, that that read something, you know, like that. If it's one person, hey, I, us creative people have to earn these these Twitter and Facebook yeah. followers. Yes, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> there is no marketing machine. No, we're not supermodels. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want pictures of us. Oh, that's not entirely true. that's that's a different kind of audience Uh, yeah that's true (laughs) that is true (laughs) all right so night sky all right i gotta ask you um Mm. what kind of characters yeah what kind of characters are we dealing with here you said kids are they are they gonna be the losers club and ant oh of course who i mean who wants to watch the popular kids okay you know save the town it's got to be the losers the the i'm not gonna call myself a loser but when i was hanging out in high school it was or even like junior high we were the you know, the nerdy Dungeons and Dragons club that watched horror movies and, you know, instead of out drag racing and and smoking cigarettes and drinking booze, we were home in the dark watching bad horror movies and eating (laughs) takeout pizza and stuff. I mean, that's, to me, those are the heroes. They're anti-heroes, right? So it's, it's not the, the, uh, the preppy kids, the, the, the sports team kids. It's always the, the losers. I was lucky enough to be one of the dirties. 
The dirties? Yeah, denim jacket, long hair, and all that shit. Oh, that you was know, a different era. Metal patch. You wore your metal patch like a freaking war patch. And, um, I, hey, I had my Friday nights, my, my dorky Dungeons & Dragons guys. I, I loved it. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't a video game guy. I, we went out to concerts and stuff. But, but yeah, um, I totally relate to that because I do have my, of course, my dorky side. Look at this room. <laughs> I don't know what you bright. mean as I look at all of these Star Wars toys and... So, but like, uh, can you give me, at least give us insight into one character? I know you don't want to give up too much. Um, thinking. Will really, they, really don't want to give anything away. Then don't. I mean, uh, it's, so will there be... Aliens? It's not really about any one character. Let's say that. I mean, this is about a town, right? You had kind of nailed it yes. earlier on where it's it's about a town and the people that live in this town and, and what they're going through. And that's still my favorite scenario. And it's, you know, it's, it, the film is done from the perspective of these kids because there's, you know, there's the oblivious people and things like that. So it's the one thing actually I will say is that I'm really excited about is, is that for whatever reason I've really wanted to film in a school, you know, the lockers, the gym class, the, the, the playground, everything like that. It's, this would be the opportunity to do that because it would be the school that these kids are attending. The early stress factors. Absolutely. Because um, they've got the things that they're dealing with and then there's the big picture stuff with what the, what's going on in the town. That totally diminishes um, all the little stress right. factors. Yeah. And it's, but it, for them, it's, it's disseminating between the two, right? They have to deal with both. There's the, the local pressures of being in junior high and girls and, and all that stuff. And then there's like, okay, something bad is going on. Um, to the point where it leads to visual jokes where they're in gym class and they're like the only ones left and they're playing dodgeball and all the other kids are gone because there's just the whole town's vanishing over time. Um, so it's it's not dark. It's lighthearted in, in some ways. I mean, it's I'm trying to hit all the beats. Hmm. Laughing, tension, you know, uh, release. Suspense. Suspense, awe, bewilderment. Um, a lot of the special effects are going to be different. You know, with Screen Park, you deal with blood and guts and practical effects and things like that. This one, you're dealing with lights in the sky say, yeah, and, and special effects and, and um, wind machines and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're dealing with abductions or, you know, UFOs and stuff like that, it's just a whole different palette of special effects. So you talk about a lot of night shooting in the woods. Yeah, it? well, it's called Night Sky. Um, as much as I didn't like night shooting the first time around, but it's just one of those things where it's UFOs don't quite show up in the day as much. Nice. They tend to be a night phenomenon. Um, maybe they're just easier to see with the lights and everything. Are we going to see an alien? We don't might. answer that. Don't answer we that. We might. Maybe we not. Maybe the kids are the aliens. Maybe I'm just been pulling your chain. There's no guarantee that anything I've said is the truth. You're going to have to see the film. Absolutely. And we look forward to it, man. All right, Carrie Hill. I appreciate it. Um, give it up wherever uh, wherever you want people to go. Um, well, the Night Sky Facebook page is live. Uh, like I said, there's going to be regular updates. If you want to follow along in the production or if you're interested in things like casting calls and updates and everything. And there's just going to be research. Uh, there was a lot of research done into UFO phenomena and, and try to give this uh, a real sense of just realness, mm-hmm. right? Um, fact-based and everything like that. So there's a lot of videos, clips, and things like that that I'm just going to upload just to kind of capture the mood and the themes of the film. So um, you'll be learning while you're following along with this film. So Look forward to it. It's going to be and, cool. Uh, still pick up a copy of Scream Park. Oh, absolutely. It's on Amazon. 
Amazon has it on DVD, and it's the only place I know of to find it on Blu-ray. Um, and I will say, you know, for those of you that don't own a copy yet, or if you want another copy, the Blu-ray is a world of difference. Deep for all, for all your deep frying kill needs. Yeah. Well, we shot the film in HD, and it just looks totally different. Um, you know, you probably hear everyone say that. Oh, the you know Blu-ray is totally. Different. It is. It's legitimately. I've seen them side by side. Mm. Blu-ray is a different animal. I got the DVD, so I have to get the Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah plus, the artwork on the Blu-ray is phenomenal. Mm. Um, Wild Eye was able to put together some custom artwork, limited edition artwork for the Blu-ray, and it just it looks fantastic. So, and I believe it's still available for streaming. If you're not a physical copy guy or gal, there's uh, you know iTunes, Google Play that you can just stream the movie through there. So, very cool, very cool. So much more to talk about, but we'll uh, save it never for ends. another time because I just thought of a million different things. But anyway, check out my site, www.fairlydarkproductions.com for all your horror needs. And um, also, uh, Fiends of the Flesh is at Barnes & Noble. You can get that at www.burningbulbpublishing.com. Lots of good authors on there. And uh, I'm pretty sure Carrie will tell you it, it's... Well, I, I had a blast reading it, honestly. I mean, it was a hoot. There was... I, chuckling to myself and it's just it's fiendish it's yes. devilly devilishly fiendish that's what i was going for <laughs> yeah it's perfect all right well we're gonna go out with a little yard panther and thank you again for listening to kettle whistle radio we'll see you again good night good night everybody and keep watching the skies DC, I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. 
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.